2: Debbie Campbell is a country music singer and activist for Alzheimer's. She's the eldest of eight children and the daughter of the most famous rhinestone cowboy, Glenn Campbell. Debbie loved singing from an early age and spent many summers with her dad on tour and in the television studios with his Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour television show. And Debbie's on the line with us here. How are you doing today? I'm
3: doing great. How are you?
2: I'm Very well, thank you. So when did you first realize that your dad was famous
3: well you know i mean when i was growing up i you know he sang and everything but i and he was you know out there on tour all the time but probably when i was more of a teenager and i got to spend a lot more time with him you know um around all the fans, the crazy craziness of his life, you know.
2: And was there a particular moment that you realised, wow, a lot of people are coming to see my dad. This is weird.
3: Yeah. One of the times I remember very well was we were, he was doing a BBC special in England and I was living in England at the time. I graduated from high school over there, but, um, I was with him and we were walking out to the car and I was ahead of him and I turned around and I see all these fans running after him and I'm like, dad, get in the car. Oh my gosh, they're going to rip your clothes off. (laughs) You know, and I grabbed him and put him in the car, you know, and and I'm like, wow, this is crazy.
2: What were the sort of emotions attached to that? I mean, was there an element of pride there that your dad had all these fans?
3: Oh, absolutely. Of course, lots of pride. Um, My dad was just so well-loved and he was just such a great guy. Um, Very humble. And uh, yeah, I mean, I had great pride, especially as I grew older and got to be, you know, experience singing with him and just the love that everybody had for him.
2: It must have been a great learning experience to sing with him and watch him perform as well.
3: Yes, absolutely.
2: So when did you realize that you were a good singer too?
3: Well, I mean, I always dabbled in singing when I was younger. I think I first sang in the eighth grade in a talent, show and uh got a standing ovation and everybody loved it and but it just i never really clicked then you know back when i was younger um and then i sang with the rock and roll band what was really wasn't rock and roll i guess maybe it was it's called sky people in los angeles when i went to live with dad after i graduated from high school um but still i just was i was just having fun you know and then um i moved to phoenix in 1987 when my ex-husband got out of the military and dad was singing at the state fair here. And I said, dad, can I sing a song with you? And he said, sure. So we worked up burning bridges and I sang that with him on stage and everybody seemed to love it. And he loved it. And he's like, honey, I'd like you to go on the road with me. Wow. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's awesome. You know, um, I'll try and make it work. And about at a, that same year, I had just gotten a job with America West airlines in Phoenix. Yeah. And so then began my life, my 25 years of juggling two, two, Schedules singing with dad and my airline job, as well as being as well as being a mom with three kids.
2: Yeah, they're two very different jobs, but they have similarities because being a flight attendant and a musician, they both involve traveling around a lot,
3: a lot of hotels and airplanes. (laughs)
2: Yeah, are you the kind of person that likes to be on the road? Then,
3: well, I think because my stepfather was in the air force, so we moved around every four years, and I lived with my mom, of course, and him. and so I'm just used to being uprooted a lot I guess is for lack of a better you know statement. And so yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy seeing different uh cities, different countries um and I've been very blessed to do that with both
2: jobs. And when you were singing in those early days, were you just performing with your father or did you have your own thing going on as well?
3: Well, when we went we moved to Branson, I think in the early 90s, like 91, and uh, I was singing with dad and then I started a band and I was performing with another band as well as keeping my airline job mind you and uh the Branson years, I had my own show at a theatre in Branson as well as going and singing with Dad at night in his show, um, you know, so I kept pretty busy.
2: Being solo, did that feel odd at first, or was it completely natural?
3: I think it was com- completely natural. Um, I liked being a part of something, you know, um, I love doing the duets do with Dad, and but it was also fun having my own show and, and other people performing on it, you know, I mean, I had a couple of different shows in Branson, I had my own Debbie Campbell show. And then I had uh, a second generation show where I had you know like noel Haggard, Merle Haggard's son, and uh Grandpa Jones's grandson, wow, and you know different you know different kids from um from you know different
2: genres and what kind of genres did you do? I guess it wasn't just country, and what I'm really getting at is was it different from your dad?
3: yeah, well, yes, yeah, some of it was, but then some of it wasn't you know I mean I remember opening uh for Jerry Reed. And I was with Michael Twitty, Conway Twitty's son, and we would open for Jerry Reed. I think it was like for two weeks we opened for him down in Branson. Hmm. And I never, ever sang dad's music, but Michael Twitty did a lot of his dad's. So I incorporated a couple of dad songs in my show also, you know. Yeah. and uh, now I mean now I'm doing tributes for Dad with just his music, which yeah. I never thought I'd ever be doing in a million years you know
2: yeah, you've released albums and all sorts and every song that you cover has to have a kind of reason behind it, doesn't it You wouldn't just do a Glenn Campbell song just because
3: right exactly there I picked when I released my CD a couple years ago, I picked songs that had a lot of meaning to me yeah and uh, but then on the other hand, Toby, I would have put other songs on the albums had, I thought that I would ever be singing them. Like, I never yeah. dreamed I'd been singing Wichita Lineman." And now that's not on my album. Um, I sing Try a Little Kindness. I sometimes do Gentle on My Mind. Um, I do Phoenix. Um, and then some other songs that meant, you know, a lot to me. Um, there are songs I won't touch, you know, like yeah. Country Boy. Um, the guys in my band sing Country Boy. Um, you know, the men's songs. I do do Rhinestone Cowboy, but I do it with my with my band, you know, also doing it with me, yeah. you
2: know. Why won't you touch them? You say it's the men's songs, but yeah, why yeah. are so they the Songs.
3: I don't I don't I don't see myself singing Southern Nights, um, Country Boy, you know, I mean, I suppose I could do it. It's just and I have a hard time doing Gentle On My Mind. Gentle <laughs> On My Mind is one of Dad's most iconic songs, but it's just not one that I like performing, I guess.
2: What would you say is your favorite of all his songs?
3: That I sing or favorite? Well,
2: let's go for both, shall we? Just in general. And then also your favorite one to sing.
3: I like uh, I Will Never Pass This Way Again. That's one of my favorite that Dad did. Mm. Uh, one that he used to do on stage in Vegas that is like my absolute favorite to hear Dad sing was Stars. Um, he would have a big video of all these different artists that have come and gone, you know, and he'd be singing Stars, they come and go, they come fast, they go slow. And then he'd bust through the the video, for you know, the, the screen, and come out singing, you know. It was just yeah. so beautiful. I mean, it was just... So magical to watch dad um, do anything at, for that matter, you know. Yeah. But my favorite songs I like to sing are Wichita Lineman, By the Time I Get to Phoenix, and of course, uh, I'll Try a Little Kindness. Those are some of my favorites yeah. that I
2: like to sing. And Wichita Lineman, I know it's maybe obvious, but it probably is my favorite glenn Campbell song, but not just my favorite glenn Campbell song, but one of my favorite songs of all time. It's just one of the best songs ever written, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. uh, Jimmy Webb sure knew how to write
2: songs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what was your dad like when he wasn't performing?
3: Oh, he was a a cut-up. He was so much fun. I mean, we spent so much time golfing, uh, playing cards. We played cards all the time, endlessly. Yeah. Um, we'd sit in hotel rooms and watch Will of Fortune and bet a quarter to see who could get the get the you know the the phrase correct. You know, him and Roger and I, my dad's agent. We we had yeah. so much fun. I mean, I was so blessed, Toby, to be able to spend those years with Dad because I never really got to be with him one on one as a child through all the marriages and the other kids. Yeah. So that was really special for me. It it cho- We both we both. Got our relationship that way, you know, I mean, it was um, it was very magical.
2: And even after he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, he was still performing initially, wasn't he?
3: Yes, he was. Yeah, he sure was.
2: What was it like in those times?
3: Well, Dad and I used to do um, by the time I get to Phoenix and say a little prayer and we did it together I would sing Say a Little Prayer and he would sing Phoenix. And for after a while, when the Alzheimer's was setting in, you know, um, it hadn't been... It was, you know, the early stages. He would forget what part to come in on. And so then we just stopped doing that song and he would do Phoenix by himself, you know. Um, you yeah. made those provisions that way.
2: And you wrote the book Life With My Father, Glenn Campbell, was it hard to write the book?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was uh, I was going through some really traumatic feelings at that time because when Alzheimer's set in, my stepmom decided that she wanted to change everything up and get her kids involved because, mm. you know, now that dad's got Alzheimer's, well, this is the last, you know, get the kids on the road and get their music known. And so she let go of dad's band of 25 years and she let go of me eventually, you know. Mm. Uh, I need my kids to be on the road with him now. So there's no place for you on stage. And that was very, um, it was kind of like a slap in the face to me. You know, here I was on the road with dad all those years taking care of him while she stayed home with her kids. And I'm away from my kids, you know, um, because it just it just I mean, it was a job. I was making money. So I was supporting my family. But at the same time, I'm getting to be with my dad. So there was a difference, you know, Um, and for her to, after 25 years of me taking care of dad, while she was got to stay home with her kids, that was like a slap in the face to me. Um, And it was very, uh, I had a lot of emotions. And so I thought, you know what, it took so long for me to, it took a lot of years going down this road and finally ending up having a relationship with my dad through three other marriages and uh, seven other kids. And I did it. And dad and I became best friends through all of that. And so I just wanted to tell my story like that. And it was, and it was very cathartic.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
3: for me if you know what I mean yeah, it, it helped me get a lot of my feelings out that I'd felt all those years
2: to get rid of the band that you'd had for so many years is sort of the opposite of what you should really do when someone has Alzheimer's
3: absolutely you need to keep them uh, with what they've known And I mean, I mean, it would make dad crazy. It would. And they they kept me away from him. I mean, they wouldn't give me uh, credentials to where I could come to any show I wanted or my kids and come backstage, which was really crazy. And dad, I brought it up to him in the early throes of Alzheimer's. And he was so upset. You know, he yelled at his management, don't you ever keep my kid, my daughter away from me or my grandkids. But Mm -hmm. they did. You know, that was all Kim's doing. They bowed down to Kim and and didn't want to lose their jobs, you know, by going against her wishes. And uh, it was really, uh, and I remember uh, when I was let go, it was in September of 2011, and I'd already cleared my schedule from flying because I could take vacation in the, in the, months that I knew we were going to be on a big tour and we were coming to England. We were doing England, Ireland and Scotland at that point wow. and I had cleared my whole schedule for those two months and then she called they called me and said you're not on the tour anymore so I had to shuffle and get work you know because I have to work to support my family yeah. and um, and I thought you know a lot of the friends that I had made along the way like the the crew over in England that would sign on to work the tour or the drivers you know I mean I had already been in contact with all of them they go we can't wait to see you again Deb and so I thought you know I'm gonna go because I still have my credentials for that year you know because it does they don't expire till the end of December and then we would always get new backstage passes and so my son and I flew over to London. I thought, you know, this is my way of uh, closure. I'm going to go and go see the show with, and bring my son with me. And they were so shocked. And the minute I walked backstage, Dad's like, oh, my God, Debbie, you're here. Oh, I'm so <laughs> happy you're going to sing with me. And I'm like, Dad, I'm not here to upset the show at all. You know, I just wanted to come to England and say goodbye to everybody. How wonderful it was working with them all these years. And, and I just said to myself, if Dad remembers to bring me on stage, then, of course, I will go on stage and sing. But if he does not remember, then I'm not going to, you know, hey, what about me? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he was in the throes of Alzheimer's at that time.
2: And when you were writing the book, did you discover anything that you didn't already know?
3: You know, I did, Toby. And it's crazy because, you know, I watched the Elvis movie. So many similarities mm. of the behind the scenes of management and... Um, All those people in dad's life that I wrote about, I when I take myself out of the picture, I look back and think they were just like Colonel Tom Parker. You know, they took advantage of dad for their own needs. And um, gosh, if I could just go back and say some things, you know what I mean? You know, it's like uh, we we went we flew to New York and dad was playing Carnegie Hall. And so a couple of my kids went and my, my granddaughter, Olive, who was very young at the time, they had played London. I mean, excuse me, they had played New York and Bill McClay, my dad's road manager had given her a backstage pass. Well, I thought, well, I can get back and see dad with this pass. So I took it. Well, the reason I took it is because I had a friend here in Phoenix that was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer. And so Ovation had sent me a guitar that I could have dad sign and it would be auctioned off to raise money for her. And so I took that guitar with me all the way to New York. Well, I didn't want no. to sit out in the audience with it. So I wanted to put it backstage, you know. And so that's why I got Olive's pass and went backstage with the guitar. And the first words out of Stan's mouth, which was my dad's uh, manager, what are you doing back here? And I looked at him and, you know, I was like the cowering kid, you know, it's like I, I automatically, Toby, I went into kid mode. <laughs> And instead of saying, what do you mean, what am I doing back here? I should have said he was my dad before he was your Glenn Campbell, you know, Mm. but I didn't because that's just what that's the way it was. You know, we didn't say things to upset the apple cart, but so many could have, should have, would have, what I've said had I had the gumption to, you know?
2: (laughs) Yeah. You've started your own show called the Debbie Campbell Good Time Show. What made you want to start that?
3: Well, I, I did that during COVID when nobody's yeah. out doing anything, you know, and I'm sitting at home and we weren't flying a lot, even the airlines were suffering at that time. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I got to do something. I got to just quit sitting around in my workout clothes with my hair in a ponytail, you know. <laughs> I got to I got to do something, you know. So I thought, you know, what? I'll just do a Zoom, a Zoom thing. I'll interview people, you know. Yeah. And that's how it came about and then it just snowballed into Thank what? I did like 25 or 30 people and it was a lot of fun. You know, I was nervous I mean, yeah. because I'm, you know, but I did my research on them and, and I was very blessed to be able to get a lot of them to do it, you know. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. I learned a lot about people that, you know, I didn't know, you know. Yeah. I mean, when you research them and like Lee Greenwood could have been a baseball player. Uh, Charlie Pride was a baseball player back in the day, you know. I mean, it's crazy what you learn when you really, um, Jeannie Seeley, she was like Porter Wagner's Sidekick back then and um, she got called to go on the road performing that her career started taking off and so then that's when Dolly Parton took over her place with Porter Wagner and then look my gosh look at Dolly Parton now you know but just just interesting stuff you know um, about everyone.
2: Are the guests you've had mainly friends and people that you know and have worked with or could it be anybody that you reach out to?
3: Well a lot of them I knew like Mickey Gilly, I knew Mickey I'd met met many of them I met you know Peter tune from the Peter Noon from the Herman Hermits I met, yeah. you know, just on the road being with dad, you know, you, we'd run into people everywhere, you know. Um, and a lot of them, though, I did know, like from Branson, I knew Tony Orlando, Mickey Gilley, uh lee greenwood um mary wilson i knew mary through mark my co-author of my book because they were best friends yeah. um and uh yeah i mean just from, just from being around them a lot you know in the past and then yeah. others like danny Bonaducci from the partridge family i've never met him but i just knew somebody who knew him and asked if he'd do the interview and he said sure Barry Williams from the Brady Bunch, Donnie Moe's from Happy Days, you know, I mean, it just kinda of snowballed into a to a fun little gig, you know.
2: It was mainly during COVID. Yeah. Do you just not have time to do it anymore?
3: Well, I, I haven't and I still have a couple of people that said they'd absolutely love to be interviewed, but a lot of them are on the road now because see, back yeah. when I did it, nobody was doing anything. They were yeah. all sitting at home. Nobody was touring. Yeah. So it was easy to get them then.
2: Yeah, COVID was an absolute gift for that. You just reach exactly. out to people who got nothing better to do.
3: Right, exactly.
2: Yeah. And what work have you done for Alzheimer's as well?
3: Well, I did, I did a fundraiser in Manchester, England. I did one in uh, Dublin. And I've done many walks here in Phoenix raising money, and people have come in from out of state to walk with me. You know, Tanya Tucker came in and walked with me one year. Yeah, um, yeah anything. And if anybody ever says, can you come and speak or perform um, for Alzheimer's, I'll do it. Absolutely, I'll be there. You know, if you just provide a hotel room for me and transportation, I'll come for free, you know.
2: When did you start doing this? Was this in light of your dad's diagnosis? Absolutely,
3: Absolutely yeah. I mean, because, I mean, I mean, I... I working two jobs and trying to raise kids, it's hard to get out and g- give your time, you know, but yeah, yeah. but then once that do- diagnosis hit. Um, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, what's coming up for you? Have you got more projects and songs and albums and things musically? You know, it's
3: funny, I was kicking around thinking, I want to do a Christmas album, you know, so I'm thinking that maybe I might get with my producer, Tony Mantor, in the beginning of the next year and maybe try and, you know, dad's Christmas album is my favorite Christmas album ever. The best Christmas album that I ever think that anyway, that's all I ever play. (laughs) And I thought, wouldn't that be fun to recreate that just for me, you know, maybe nobody wants to hear it. Maybe nobody wants to buy it. But for me (laughs) to have, you know, it'd be fun. It'd be a fun project.
2: Yeah. And what are you up to for Christmas, by the way?
3: My youngest son comes in from California with his family, Mm. and then my daughter lives here. I told my son in New York and my granddaughter in Chicago, I said, next year, everybody better be in Phoenix for Christmas. I want the whole family here, so... So that's my plan. But yeah, so we just kind of hang out here in Phoenix. And, uh, you know, where it's in the 60s. And uh, <laughs> we don't have snow or anything, but it's oh. cold. <laughs> <laughs> I have been getting over to London quite a bit. I love it because, you know, we fly from Phoenix to London. So I do work those flights occasionally. And I just love coming over there. And in fact, I did a trip a couple of weeks ago, and we walked like all through Notting, Notting Hill and mm. went to the Portobello Market and, you know, just all the thrift shops. I love going to the thrift shops and looking at all the fascinators. I, I, I... I haven't found many, but next time I'm going to, I mean, I love fascinators. I want (laughs) to buy them. I think they're just the coolest darn thing, you know, but um, yeah. And then in April um, around dad's birthday where he's buried in Arkansas, we have, which we've only done, we've only had one because we started it, I think right before COVID and we haven't had another one since. And so I think this year we'll have a big fundraiser um, in Arkansas. You know we're raising money we want to get a statue of dad built at the cemetery and uh it's really a neat thing my cousin stevie he's done a great great you know the cemetery the campbell cemetery is on my uncle's land and so they've rigged up a huge speaker and when you step on to the cemetery dad starts singing amazing grace of course it could scare the crap out of somebody if they're going there at night you know but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's pretty uh it's pretty darn cool and it's and it has a historic marker. So So, um, uh, yeah, so we want to get a big gold statue or bronze statue of Dad up at the cemetery. We think that'd be pretty awesome. And you would believe all the guitar picks that are left on his tombstone. It's amazing the people that go through there and pay him honor,
2: you know, pay him homage. Well, where are we able to keep up to date with you?
3: Well, I have a Debbie Campbell uh, music.com page. I haven't done much updating to it. I need to get in there. Um, But yeah, so if if I have a tour, so then yes, I post it up on my Debbie Campbell music.com page. And then uh, I have a Facebook page, an artist page, Debbie Campbell, and they can go there. I usually post updates on that also.
2: Excellent. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show.
3: Oh, Toby, thank you. Thank you for writing. And I anytime, anytime.
1: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The
2: Throbbing Pulse of Sound sound, sound. The Toby Gribben Show